This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We hit the field light! All night light! All night light! Here we go! Here we go! Ah! Keep it all! Keep it all! Keep it all! This is the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast with James Rapine and Daryl Ryder on 923thefan.com. What up and welcome into another edition of the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. I'm James Rapine. He is Daryl Ryder. We are your beat writers for 923thefan, 923thefan.com. We do this podcast each and every week. And we got a ton, a ton, a ton of football, Browns, handshakes, media interaction to get to on today's show. A quick reminder to subscribe iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts, including the Radio.com app and each and every podcast posted to the website at 923thefan.com. And let's start with something. This is uh, it's Wednesday morning, if I believe so, Daryl. It's Wednesday morning, and that means yesterday morning there was news that broke about Richard Sherman in a handshake that didn't happen and we watched a bunch of sites run with it just for you to hold off, wait for video evidence, and come out with the truth. Baker Mayfield did shake Richard Sherman's hand before the game after all. Well, this is what's wrong in our business. Um, a reporter, Michael Silver, who, by the way, has a legitimate axe he grinds any chance he can get against the Cleveland Browns because he's still salty his boy, Hugh Jackson, who originally told him Baker Mayfield was an asshole, um, anytime he can write that Baker Mayfield's an asshole, he does. That's what Michael Silver does. And so Richard Sherman gave him a fabulous quote. It was a great quote. Talking about how Baker snubbed him, didn't shake his hand. So Michael goes around the locker room and gets a couple other 49er players to say that Baker's an asshole and didn't shake anybody's hand. And what does he do? He writes a big story about what an asshole Baker Mayfield is, and the reason everybody wants to shove it up his ass is because he's an asshole. That's, that's what Michael Silver wrote yesterday, and he wrote it on the league's platform. Well, I, and I got asked about it with Ken and Anthony. I was on with Ross Tucker uh, in his new uh, Radio.com webcast that he does in the morning, and I got asked about this. And I couldn't find video of it anywhere until about mid-morning. I started checking the, the 49ers accounts because, you know, the teams are always, you know, posting behind-the-scenes stuff on their social media accounts. So just on, on a whim, I'm like, yeah, what the hell? Let me see what the 49ers posted last night because I, I didn't remember seeing anything from the Browns accounts. And lo and behold, what do you know? There's Baker Mayfield shaking hands and hugging people from the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not seeing where the issue is here. What, like, I didn't see anything that I would consider to be disrespectful or a snub. Because that was the whole crux of Silver's article is, Baker Mayfield doesn't respect his opponents, Baker Mayfield does not respect the game of football. And he doesn't, exp- doesn't respect the game at the professional level. 
Yeah, I mean, that's exactly and, what Sherman said in one of the quotes is respect the game. Right. And Baker is a punk that doesn't get it. He's a young kid that's got to be humbled mm-hmm. because he has all these commercials and all the hype around the Browns and all. And the, he's got an attitude and a chip on his shoulder. He, and he does. says what's on his mind, and, and that's unique, especially at quarterback. Listen, Baker Mayfield's not a saint. Okay, Baker Mayfield doesn't get how to deal with the media. Um, he doesn't understand that not all the media is the enemy. However, when Michael Silver does what he did yesterday, I completely get why Baker Mayfield says the media is the enemy, and I totally get why Baker treats us in the fashion in which he treats us because of stuff like that. Yeah, to me- because, because off of that article, every national talk show ripped Baker about how he doesn't respect the game, how he needs to be humble, how he needs to... Uh, play the game and be nicer and and all these things. He's immature. He doesn't get it. And I'm going to be honest, that shit pissed me off yesterday. It really did. I was in a foul mood the whole day. A, because I had to spend my whole day looking for video over this stupid thing Mm -hmm. so that I could verify with my own two eyes that either Baker was an asshole or this got completely blown out of proportion as in our aggregation society of media, happens all the time. This happens all the time, where something gets blown out of proportion because people don't fail to fact check, and they don't fail to do the homework and say, I don't know, let's take a minute before we just write articles ripping Baker, let's figure out if he actually did what is alleged. Yeah, look, there's a couple things here. The first one, you're right, that's what we do in society. That's what it is now. It's, all right, this happened. NFL.com has it up. We're not going to look for a video. We're going to say, according to a report from Michael Silver, boom. And now we have our article. And now suddenly Baker Mayfield is a whiny, bratty, entitled number one draft pick, not a a two-time walk-on that has busted his butt and found a way. You know, it's the exact opposite. And Colin Cowherd takes a victory lap. And all these guys that have criticized him take victory laps. And the reality is no one for a second, I think maybe Anthony did, or just because I, I heard them, no one for a second said, you think, you think Sherman is, is accurate here? Let's consider the source. Let's consider what Richard Sherman is now. He's the guy who chased Tom Brady off the field it, it, you know, and said, come at me, bro. He, you know, he's the guy that called A.J. Green overrated in 2011 just for him to toast him in 2015 in a huge comeback. Like, th- there's just all these things. Like in Richard Sherman's a, was a great corner, he's still a good corner. But you got to consider that source, and they didn't take the time to do that. And then on the other side, it's very clear if I'm the Browns and if I'm Baker, they want to tear you down, man. That's it. Like, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna crush, I'm gonna crush the team here in a second. Everybody's doing victory laps. But most everybody's doing victory laps after that loss. Uh, you know, after all the offseason hype. It, it, Everyone is waiting for Baker Mayfield to fail. Everyone's waiting for the Browns to fail because that's what we in the media do. And again, it's just another thing that sucks about our business is that, and it's a societal thing too. We build people up so that we can tear them down and do victory laps on them. And that's just so 
wrong. And I tweeted this yesterday. If you want to criticize Baker Mayfield because he's completing 55% of his passes, that's inbounds, that's fair. You want to criticize him because he sucked Monday night, was 8 of 22 for 100 yards, and threw a couple of picks, that's fair, that's inbounds. Those are tangible things that are absolutely fair to criticize. But I got to defend Baker a little bit here. You know, and again, you know, I'm in the locker room every day. There are things that I see and observe. Like, I've covered some things, that some events that Baker has done outside of the locker room. And there are things that I see and observe. And the guy's not a saint. The guy can be a dick. No question about it. He's a dick to us. But it's not about us. I don't care. Like, if Baker likes me or not, I don't care. I don't walk in that locker room every day worried about whether or not Baker likes me or if any of the players like me. Like, I'm not there to be friends with players. Mm-hmm. I'm not there to go and, and say, hey, you want to go get a drink later at the local establishment? And, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not there to hang out. That locker room is their sanctuary. That locker room is their home. Like, I cringe when I see my media colleagues sitting on the furniture in the locker room. That's a no-no in my book. I'm old school. We're in their home. That furniture that's in that locker room is not for us. That's for the players. I can stand for 45 minutes. That's fine. Even with my bad feet. Because that's, that's their home. I am a guest in their home. When I go to the stadium and I walk in the locker room, I am a guest in their home. Yes, I'm there to do a job. But I always remember that I am a guest in their home. I'm not there to be liked by the players. I'm not there to be liked by the team. I'm not there to be liked by the PR staff. I'm there to do a job, and that job is to convey what's going on with the football team to the fans. That's my job, and I try and do it as fairly and as accurately as possible. I destroyed Freddie Kitchens yesterday because I thought Freddie Kitchens did a really lousy job coaching, and I think that Freddie Kitchens has done a really lousy job coaching to date. And I think that that's fair to say. The record reflects it. The results on the field reflect it. Okay? But what you do not do is take a salacious quote, blow it out there without substantiating it. Now, in Michael Silver's defense, he did go around the 49er locker room, and he got players to basically echo and back up what Richard Sherman said. In Silver's defense. So I understand why he did what he did from his perspective. I don't agree with it. I don't agree with how he went about it, but I get it because I do that day. Like I'm in that, I'm in those shoes daily. Okay. Well, if five players say the same thing, that's one thing. Here's another thing though. They probably believed Richard. Like, I think Richard, deep down, thinks that, oh, he got disrespected at the handshake line. Richard, Richard like, has... He thinks that. He doesn't think he's wrong, and that's, that's crazy, but... Richard thing, has what Baker has, okay? He has the, everything's an affront to me, everything's disrespectful to me. You know what I'm saying? Sure. He's, he's got that... That, that chip. That, no, that, he, that he victim was drafted later. He was a fifth-round right. pick, I think. Yeah. Baker has it, too. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it can be somewhat detrimental. And this is what I said about Baker, too, is he's got to find a way. Tom Brady does it masterfully, okay, with that whole six-round thing and using that as his fuel, and that's the fire that constantly burns within him to be great. Mm -hmm. I think what Baker needs to learn how to do is how to channel that 
and also how to properly express that. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Well, and that's well, not... he, he has to mature. Right. But like some of the criticism is valid. He does need to mature. Uh, maybe he did. Um, maybe he wasn't as focused in the offseason as he could have been. But now we're in the season. And, and the thing that, that to me, and I'm not going to say it's surprising, but it's, it's very clear. The national media is just waiting for him to fail. Absolutely they are. Waiting you, for the Browns to fail. Every waiting time the Browns come lose, apart. you see it. Waiting, and part of it's there on national TV, but the other part of it, waiting for Odell Beckham to get moved. Waiting for John Dorsey to admit failure. You know, waiting for all this stuff to happen. And honestly, I think it's insane how quick people have went from, oh, Baker's easily the best, best quarterback in that class, to, is he fourth? Like, I'm seeing Josh Allen, I'm seeing Lamar Jackson, and we're, go- we're going down the line. Sam Darnold, who hasn't played all damn season, is suddenly better than Baker. Like, no. Let's think about what Baker's trying to do. Let's dial it back. Let- let's go all the way back to when he was drafted. He's trying to turn around an organization that sucked for 20 years. Much easier said than done. Like, the Jets have made two AFC title games in the past 12 you know, like as bad as they've been, they've been much more successful than the Browns. Well, the whole league's the, been more. The, the Washington Redskins have been more successful than the, the Browns. The Bills went to the playoffs a couple of years ago. Like the the Ravens, it, that's literally the definition of a winning organization. So Baker's trying to do something that none of these other quarterbacks are challenged with. And that's why when you get drafted earlier, sometimes it's worse. So... All right. Well, it is worse. That's why you got drafted earlier. You're yeah. not walking into a great situation. When you go number one overall in the draft, you're never walking into a great situation. That means that team was the worst team in the league mm-hmm. the and, year and, before. And that, and that they're, a, they're, you know, they're a mess. And you have to go in there and help be part of the solution. And I do believe that Baker is part of the solution. Um, th- that's not what this is, you know... That's not what this is about. That's not where I'm at. I think Freddie Kitchens can be part of the solution. But Freddie got to get his you-know-what together, and he needs to get it together quickly because this season's going to slip away in a hurry if he doesn't. You know? Um, But to, you know, I think you said it best, James. The, The media is looking for a reason to pounce and to do victory laps on the Browns at their expense. And Michael Silver is right at the top of that list. Yeah, and Th- that's fair. That is the price you pay, if as you know, because of Baker's personality, both on and off the field. You know, I don't have a problem with a lot of the things that Baker does. I I kind of get it. Like he and I are, you know, I I kind of get where he comes from mm-hmm. at times. So I under I have an understanding of it, but. Also, it rubs people. I rub people the wrong way. I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, it. It. it I, I just think that you know, Baker. I don't want to say he has to be more aware because that's not fair. Because he did nothing wrong Monday night. He got uh, off the. I'm talking aside from the game, like separating what happened in the game. Yeah, he didn't disrespect Richard. Sherman right, he didn't disrespect like Richard Sherman. He didn't disrespect the 49ers. He didn't disrespect the game. He didn't disrespect the professionalism of the game. So he walked away after the coin was flipped. That's what you do. You know, like I already shook your hand once. I acknowledged you. I paid you respect. I. Why do I have to do it twice? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I dapped you up 
before the coin was flipped. The coin is flipped. I, now, we just won the toss. I'm getting the football. I'm... I got to get myself mentally, whatever, psyched or jacked You're or about whatever. To play. You don't need to shake hands 17 right. times. All right. Especially when you're hoping to destroy Richard Sherman on a deep ball on the first drive. Like right. that's the reality. So, so yeah, I, I think, I think we're on the same page there with the Baker stuff. Yeah. I just, I, it, I, there's just some stuff that happens in our business that just drives me nuts. And I, and I get it. We're all, we're all competing for ears. We're all competing for eyeballs and clicks and, and all, and all those things. That's, that's how we all get paid. But I just think that the reason why so many players distrust the media and treat the media with disdain and disrespect, and the reason why Baker Mayfield's media sessions with us are as uncomfortable as a colonoscopy is because of what happened to him Monday night. He got excoriated nationally for something he didn't do, and nobody bothered to stop and say, wait a minute, is this... Because, we're again, we're too busy trying to get the clicks. We're too busy trying to get the... Um, we're, we're too busy trying to get the, the attention and, 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 and whatever. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And we just lose sight sometimes of what is actually fair, what is actually accurate. Like, we have a responsibility in the media to be accurate. Like, that's our job, you know? And I've, I've gotten it wrong, and mm-hmm. that's not good that I've gotten it wrong. We all have, though. Um, but... I just that what what happened after that game and the narrative that popped up on every national show that I turned on Tuesday was appalling to me professionally. I, it it really was, you know, uh, and again, I go back to the you want to criticize Baker and how he played Monday night, which was terrible. Like he's. I said, Freddie's got to get it together. Baker got to get it together. Absolutely has to get this offense has to get it together. I don't know. I don't know what the fix is for the Browns because they got problems everywhere, but they got to get it together. He's Dale Ryder. I'm James Rapine. That uh, Michael Silver report. Guess what? It's about as accurate as Baker Mayfield's been this season. Yep. We'll talk about Baker Mayfield struggles. We'll discuss Freddie Kitchens. Is he in over his head? And are the Browns doomed in 2019-2020? We will talk about that next on the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. Welcome back into the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. I'm James Rapine. He is Daryl Ryder. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and leave us a five-star review so more Cleveland sports fans can find this podcast. All right, let's dive in. Because I'm done with handshakes. I'm done with Richard Sherman. I'm done with all that. You know what I want to talk about, though? How awful this team has looked. Because two and three isn't the crazy part. Their record isn't the crazy part. I'm not shocked at that. I'm not really shocked that they lost on Sunday night football to Los Angeles or that they lost to San Francisco. Even the Tennessee game, I expected them to win that game, but I'm not shocked that they lost it and that they're two and three after five games. What I am surprised at, and I think this is why people are freaking out, I think this is why people are questioning the Browns, the how, how they've lost. Tennessee rolls over them. Despite being close, a one-possession game, having a chance to tie against the Rams, you didn't look good. The offense looked bad against the Rams. And really, outside of the Ravens game, you haven't looked like the team that we saw at the end of last season. 
And so the how matters. If they would have lost 41 to 38 to San Francisco, where Jimmy G just drives them downfield in Santa Clara and Robbie Gold hits a 55-yard field goal, I think we're having a different conversation. That wasn't the case. Yep. The case was the Browns were awful. And we could talk about a ton of things. They were awful against the Jets. I know they won by 20, but they were awful against awful. the Jets. Yeah, they were. They, so, so, they have played one game in five that's been up to the standard that we expect. One in five, and that's unacceptable. You're right. And, and so you look at different things. Baker, has he regressed? And that's certainly out there. Uh, the offensive line, certainly an issue. Freddie Kitchens, and people blame Todd Munkin and all this. It's simple. It's Freddie Kitchens. To me, that, that's where the, the majority of this start, that's who it should fall on. It, does that mean Baker has been good? No, he hasn't. But Freddie Kitchens was the guy that John Dorsey handpicked to do what? Lead this team. Lead Odell Beckham Jr. And there was a plan there all along, I think, to acquire someone like OBJ when they brought in Freddie Kitchens. Well, part of the reason they hired Freddie Kitchens is they thought he was Sean McVay 2.0 and they were afraid, or Kyle Shanahan, the next Kyle Shanahan, and they didn't want him to leave the organization. He's not close to Kyle Shanahan. Oh. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Let's do this. Tennessee outcoached. Jets I don't want to say out coach, but he wasn't. He, he didn't out coach Adam Gase either. Yeah, Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay out coached him, and Sean McVay had a piss poor game. Sean McVay didn't coach well on that Monday night game. There were a lot of questionable decisions, I thought, in the moment, and yet, or on the Sunday night game, excuse me, and yet the Rams still won at First Energy Stadium. Okay, so you out coach Harbaugh. Part of that is is Chubb goes off, and then last week. Good God, it's not like Shanahan reinvented the wheel here. He's running the same offense as Dad ran. I mean, that's what that was. That was the, the normal, we're going to just run the ball down your throat type of offense. It's a, he, he didn't, this wasn't the RG3 creative stuff. So that's where I, I, I have concerns because I, I don't question OBJ's talent. I don't question Baker Mayfield's talent. Um, and, and I think you can, in this league, overcome a below-average offensive line. I've seen it across the league. Heck, New England's offensive line is banged up right now. They're starting Marshall Newhouse. You can do that. You can overcome it. But it depends on the coaching. It depends on the scheme. We know Baker can get the ball out quick. We've seen it. So, to me, it, it falls on Freddie, and that's where it starts, Daryl. It does. Um, it, 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 it's, and that's why I was so incredibly hard on Freddie yesterday. And I, I said it, I'll say it again. We don't have time for Freddie Kitchens to learn how to be an NFL head coach. As harsh and as unfair as that statement is, it's fact. This team is built to win now, not tomorrow, not the next year or the year after that or after that. Freddie Kitchens was, was, was hired here uh, or promoted or however you want to look at it to win now, to pick up where they left off last year where they won three, or I should say five, of their final seven games. Baker Mayfield's completion percentage was near 70%. His touchdown-to-interception ratio was off the charts. He wasn't getting touched. Sacked five times, I think, over the last eight games. All right? There's, there is deficiency with the offensive line, but I, there wasn't any deficiency with the offensive line against the Baltimore Ravens, was there? I mean, they looked fine. So I think that 
that's a little bit of an excuse. What concerns me is that it's not one thing. It's not one issue. It's everything. It's the receivers. It's the tight ends. It's the offensive line. It's the running back. It's the quarterback. They have problems everywhere. And that's what bothers me. You know, Antonio Callaway, WTF is he on the field Monday night after serving a four-game suspension? And, oh, by the way, he missed the pre—I think it was three weeks, three or four weeks of training camp Mm -hmm. because of a high ankle sprain. Dude hadn't seen a football field in eight weeks. Oh, and then apparently you changed positions for him. By the way, you put the game in his hands. Think about this. So he, he was targeted on the Richard Sherman pick. Yeah. And he's targeted on the, the touchdown that changes the game and the momentum. Instead, it goes the other way. Right. Those are the two plays that really change the game. Right. Why? What has Antonio Callaway shown you that he deserves that level of trust? I'm being serious for a second here. Mm-hmm. He's already shown you you can't trust him off the field. He got suspended for four weeks. And that suspension for four weeks wasn't the, it wasn't the result of a, a slip-up. That's a chronic problem. That's multiple violations. When you get suspended, that's multiple, multiple, I can't stress enough, multiple violations of the policy. You don't get suspended for your first violation. So he's already proven that you cannot trust him. Why are you trusting him? Yeah, and the thing is, is it's not like he did anything to. There's no way he re- reinstated from its uh, suspension that week. Did anything to earn his way back in the lineup and get that many, that many reps? I don't even know if you have the snap count on you. That's fine. That we don't need it. He was a huge part of the game plan. That to me is insane. Like you have other, like Damian Ratley can be part of your game plan. Like he can't. Yeah. No, he can. Like he showed he was capable. Is he explo- is, as explosive as Antonio Callaway? No, probably not. But is he going to run the wrong route? No. Is he going to know where to line up? Yes. Is he going to bobble the ball and hand it to the defense? And I know it was an accident, but by God, that bounce couldn't have been any worse. No. I mean, it was an awful debut or return to action debut in 2019 for Antonio Callaway. Um, he, here's another thing that I thought was interesting. Daryl, is Freddie Kitchens had uh, Hilliard in pass protecting on, on a third down. I need Nick Chubb in there. You know, like, can we stop? Like, the cute stuff is fine, but you don't need to get too cute with Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. and Nick Chubb. Those dudes are, are great anywhere. They're going to be great in Seattle. They're going to be great against any team you want them to be. You don't need to reinvent the wheel here. And, and something as simple as that, Hilliard is not a good pass protector. He's not that big. He's going to get run over by big San Francisco linebackers in, 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 uh, in blitzing, blitzing uh, on the edge defensive ends. So why not leave Chubb in there? And I noticed that multiple times, and it, it collapsed the pocket. And the other part is Baker Mayfield, and, and I, I've seen this with other quarterbacks, and I'm sure you have too. I don't, he's not a shot fighter yet. But if he gets hit enough, he's going to think they're in feel pressure that isn't there. I've seen it with the greatest ever, Tom Brady, right? I've w- I watched it in Cincinnati for the past four years with, with Andy Dalton. After a while, you think there's pressure there and you try to escape and there's no one there. And there were times when Baker Mayfield felt pressure and bailed and pulled the ball down 
when he could have quick flipped it to OBJ, quick flipped it to Jarvis, and gotten yards and made something out of nothing, and instead they were sacks. And part of that's just because there's he's thinking. It's in his head now, and that's a scary place to be for your young franchise quarterback. It is him seeing ghosts, and that's, I think, where he is right now, at least a bit. I don't think it's fully set in yet. They need to figure that out. And again, it is on Freddie. The, all of this is on the, all of that is on Freddie. The offense struggling, I get it. The personnel might not be there on, on the offensive line. There are a lot of offensive linemen in this league that are below average, starting on NFL teams. That cannot be the reason you fail. It's up to Freddie. The reason he was hired is to overcome that. And I haven't seen it. Hundred percent. By the way, Antonio Callaway, twenty one snaps in the first half. He didn't play in the second half, but he got twenty one snaps in the first half. Didn't play in the second half. Whoa, all right. Really? No. So he didn't play in the second half. 21 in the first. I hate that even more. Fre- Freddie must have saw my tweet. I hate that even more, actually. You saw my tweet, right? I said, get 11 off the field. That's fine. I hate that even more. <laughs> the fact that you didn't put him back in, now that guess what he's thinking about all week? No, 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 no. No, no I, I hate that. I no, love it. No, that, that's, that's the wrong no, way to go. I, I am old school. If you aren't getting it done, you're not on the field. If you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know how to line up, you're not playing for me. Sorry. I am. And again, remember, Th- I then told he shouldn't you, have been out there in the first me- by the first court. Remember how I told you I rub people the wrong way? Well, here's exhibit A. I don't think that's I, I think I, most people will be on your side here, but I disagree with that because I well, need, it's, it was it was the coaching staff's job to make sure he was ready to play. Sure. And they didn't have him ready to play. Fair. But what I'm saying, granted, is, the player bears some responsibility, too. But that's, again, coaching. Even if it's five minutes to go left in the fourth, I'm trying to get him back in there. I do not want him dwelling, and he's going to anyway, but I do not want him dwelling on that negative play. That was the last play he was on the field then, is the interception. I don't want him thinking about thinking about only that all week. Maybe he catches a pass well, or two from Garrett Gilbert, you know, in the, in the final couple of minutes. That, that to me, that's another example, though. Freddie Kitchens. Settle down. Freddie's Fre- already said he's going to go back to him. Fre- too late. Freddie is a toddler in the coaching game, all right? And so far, he's shown he's not ready. By the way, did you hear Dan Patrick call him Frito? No. <laughs> really? Yeah, call him Frito Kitchens. By the way, he deserves to be called Frito Kitchens. I forgot about this, but I, ju- I-, I just thought about it. Hey, the Freddie, fact that Odell Beckham Jr. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchens. Sorry, I if, had to. If Go Odell ahead. Beckham Jr., is back there to to receive a punt again in a 30-point game. Either way, Freddie Kitchen should be fired on the sideline. Fired. I don't care if OBJ kicks, screams, and wants to fight a kicking net like he did in New York. You don't let him out there. If he gets hurt in that situation, after you've punted twice on fourth down, fourth and manageables, by the way, because, oh, he wants to get a spark, you protect the player from himself. And oh, when, I, I just figured we'd throw him out there. You're an idiot, Freddie. That, that's it, you. You heard his response. I of course did. you did. Uh, I, I figured we'd give it a whirl. Give what a whirl? Well, in that, it's a thirty point game. Give it a whirl. This is not a pee wee game. This you, is a real game. This matters. Give it a whirl. You're not at the car dealership anymore, Freddie. This isn't a, a, a tech, like. I don't know, man. Give it a whirl is coaching speak for I don't know what the f to do to I, fix it. Oh, I. I can't believe he did that. Like that—that's that's like that was desperation. As, as dumb as I've seen in my 28 years of existing on this earth, coaching-wise, you Just, don't do that. He's your best player. He's better than Baker. He's better than anyone you have. He's better than Nick Chubb. Everyone loves Nick Chubb. Odell Beckham Jr. is better than him. All right. Can they get him the ball? 
I don't know, but the way you get him the ball isn't down 30 on a punt return. That's literally the dumbest thing. That might be dumber than having RG3 run a flea flicker in the back of the end zone down 30 in Cincinnati. Which, Thank you, Hugh which, Jackson. Which we saw, which was ridiculous. You know? I'm now you, now you know why I was so hard on Freddie yesterday. No, I get it. I get it. I, it's just that to me is insane. This team has too much talent, and you better believe it. If they don't get, they need to be three and four after the bye. Let's look ahead now. Seattle, this must win. You got to be. You're losing to New England. Yes. Zero chance. Bill Belichick isn't going to take OBJ and Nick Chubb away. How are you going to win? A- a- and Jarvis. Yeah. Uh, oh, by throwing Antonio Callaway. Good luck. So that ain't going to happen. So you better beat Seattle this weekend. And I think they can. I think they're talented enough to. Well, it's not about talent. But is Pete Carroll going to come in here and outcoach Freddie Kitchens? Because that's the path for Seattle to win. Is Russell Wilson going to outplay Baker? Probably. So guess what? Guess what that has to happen then? Freddie has to put Baker in a position to succeed and get the ball to his playmakers, and he hasn't done that through five weeks. Odell Beckham Jr. has one touchdown, and it's an 89-yard touchdown. Right? He has two red zone targets this year. That's on Freddie. Two red zone targets? He's arguably the best. Actually, he probably is the best wide receiver in the game right now. Two red zone targets. It's insane. Yeah. I, you know, leading up to the game with the 49ers, you know, my thing was do whatever you have to do to try and get the ball in Odell's hands. Now, uh, I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here, and I acknowledge that. But as, as I'm about to say what I'm about to say, again, that game plan reeked of, let's just throw some stuff against the wall and hopefully something sticks. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I love the gadget play right out of the gate, having Odell throw to Jar. But it, it just, you know, when, when you're doing stuff like that, though, it tells me that you don't have belief in your quarterback. It tells me you don't have belief in your offensive system. It tells me you don't have belief in your playmakers that you can't just run a regular normal offense that you feel the only way you're going to be able to get the ball in Odell's hands is by doing gimmick stuff. And Odell Beckham, and again, I realize I'm talking out of both sides of my my mouth. I'm fine with it at the beginning, but at some point you got to line up and just beat your guys. Right. I, I'm with you. Right. I'm with you there. I'm so, fine with a gadget play here. So I understand that I said going into the game, hey, whatever you have to do, whatever it takes to get the ball in his hands, you got to go out there and do it. And then Freddie turned around and goes out there and does it. And I'm on the back end. I'm criticizing Freddie for the manner in which he did it. I understand. I'm just, I'm just being very transparent in my criticism of the situation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you're right. You got to run your offense. You got to trust that Baker's going to get him the ball. I mean, he had Odell wide open on the sideline early, and he missed him. Yeah. By the way, he missed him on the screen. Right. Right, right after and, that. And play you too can criticize. Well. I saw people criticizing Odell for not making the catch. Odell was in midair, like he was. He went vertical to go get the football. I'm not going to criticize Odell. He's for, wide open. Right. Wide open. He shouldn't have had to go he, vertical. He put to go Richard get the ball. Sherman in a blender. Literally, Richard Sherman did a 180. Or a 360, rather. Right. And, and Richard He's Sherman... He's looking for a handshake. I know he had the interception to Callaway, <laughs> but that ball was overthrown by five yards. Like, there was a pad there. Like, it, 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 what, the issue, one of many issues with Baker right now is, is he's not nearly as accurate as he was. Mm-hmm. He used to be... You know, he was dropping balls over the safety mm-hmm. in front of the corner. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? And into his receivers. He's not doing that anymore. 
You know, he he was hitting guys on a dime, on and out, on a sideline. He's not doing that anymore. Um, he was like he he would step up in the pocket, or he would roll out of the pocket, look down the field, and find find a guy, work his way open. Mm-hmm. He's not doing that anymore. Like these these are like tangible differences between Baker 2018, Baker 2019. Remember, year two is supposedly. The year, like he's he's supposed to like take a developmental step forward. Like he's supposed to be improving. Mm-hmm. He's not improving, and he's having the prototypical, or I should say, stereotypical sophomore slump right now. Yeah, and, and that's part of it too. Like as much as I want to just put the blame on Kitchens, Baker has to be better. And a lot of people, and it's honestly, I think this is lazy. A lot of people are like, oh, well, he's just too focused on Odell. Is he? It's six targets last week. Like yeah. I, I don't think that's it. I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, Baker better, better figure it out because he's probably never going to have the weapons he has this season again. No. Never. I mean, Ricky Seals-Jones looks pretty capable. I know David Njoku's out. Looks pretty capable. Kareem Hunt's coming back in a few weeks, right? So, so suddenly you got Hunt, Chubb, Odell, Jarvis, uh, you know, whether it's Damian Ratley, Antonio Callaway, obviously Rashard Higgins being out hurts. Hopefully he comes back this week. Like, there are all of these playmakers. You got to be able to make do. So it, it, it's on Baker, it, it's on Freddie to figure it out. Here's what I don't get, though, is Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't get targeted on a deep ball once per game. How is that? How many deep balls has he gotten this season? I remember one in double coverage. I think it was week one against Tennessee. Was right. picked off. I don't really remember anymore. And and I thought a key point in the the Monday night game, and the reason I point this out is because I want to be specific in my criticism. You block the field goal. Suddenly you have a little bit of momentum. I would have play action faked deep to Odell, regardless of it. There could have been 12 guys on Odell Beckham Jr., and I would have thrown it anyway. That would have been my play call. I would have been aggressive. That's when you go for it and you throw something at the wall, Freddie. Not when the game's over with six minutes to go, seven minutes to go. Put Odell Beckham Jr. back there on a punt punt return. Uh, To me, people are going to blame Odell. By the way, he's been a good soldier. It's not like he spouted off or anything. And I, He's got to be frustrated as hell. I would be. I'm frustrated for Odell. He's the best player on the team. Can can we find a way to get him the ball? It's not hard. It really isn't. Um... And so, and if they double him, fine. Then have Jarvis go off for 150 yards like he did against Baltimore. Odell's completely okay with that. But this offense cannot be this bad. It can't be. And the two people it falls on, and I know the offensive line, and I get it, and I think Dorsey's probably going to try to upgrade the line before the deadline. I, I hope so. But even so, with as bad as the line was, Baker has to be better. And Freddie has to be way better. And they have to do it together. They're supposed to be each other's boy, right? Baker wanted Freddie. Freddie obviously wanted Baker. Uh, He's a big idiot. It was all fun and games last year. You better figure it out. Because now, and I get the schedule's been hard, now you have a must win. You go into the bye three and four, and you can feel pretty good about yourself. Because you, or or go, not, not into the bye, but you go after that New England game three and four. Because you go to the bye three and three. I, I think I honestly think they're staring down the bar- barrel of two and five. If they and if they go two and five, they're done. 
I'm with you. You can't be two and five because at Denver is going to be a tough game. Buffalo is going to be tough. The Steelers are always tough. Um, Miami, the Steelers again, and then you beat the Bengals twice. The Ravens are going to be extremely tough. Arizona's no slouch, by the way. Kyler Murray's legit. I'll just tell you right now, Kyler Murray could play. So that easy schedule, you can't bank on that. So I agree. Going, I keep saying three and four into the bye. I keep thinking the buys after the New England game because they're going to need a buy after what Tom Brady does to them. <laughs> Either way, though. Um, it, Although he looked like he was ready for his uh, AARP card the other day. It's still through for three touchdowns. I know. Like, like, bad day for Brady. Brady's done. He throws for 300-plus and three TDs again. I know it was the Giants, but still. It's like LeBron's over the hill and he drops a triple-double. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, must win against Seattle. And you go to the buy, if you go to the buy three and three, now that I'm looking at the schedule, uh, yeah, it's um, it, you could col- collect your breath, take a breath. You'll probably get Rashard Higgins back if he's not back this week after the bye and, and really gather yourself and feel good about going into the second half of the year. What do you think? Two, we- two weeks to prepare for Bill Belichick. Does Freddie Kitchens have a shot? No. Yeah, I don't think so in New England either, especially in New England. But you got to beat Seattle this weekend. I know you're going to have predictions. And the reason I say no is because because just Freddie hasn't shown me much in in five weeks. Yeah. I, honestly, it Sorry. can't. Sorry. He got Brashad Perriman the ball last year. Brashad Perriman, who's known for not being able to catch a bust. Ask Baltimore Ravens fans about Brashad Perriman. Awful player. Like, they hate him. By the way, he hasn't done anything. I think he has three or four receptions at Tampa Bay this year. Hasn't done anything. And you can't get Odell Beckham Jr. the ball. Odell Beckham Jr. better have two touchdowns this week. Like, I'm so sick. He's so damn good. You said it the first time you saw him practice. You're like, man, he's different. Yeah, he's different. Find a way to get him the damn ball and stop pretending like he's the problem. It's Baker and Freddie, Freddie and Baker. Figure it out. What he said. And even though I I, I say all that stuff, can, can I confess something real quick before we go? Yeah, sure. I'm all about transparency. I think they're going to win this week. We'll see. I think they're going to win this week. And that might be because when I've watched Seattle this year, they haven't been their best. I watched them week one. They weren't great against Cincinnati. For Freddie's sake, for Baker's sake, for the Browns' sake, and for just the sanity of everybody in Northeast Ohio's sake, I hope you're right. Let me ask you one question. Are there any ground-sweeping changes if they lose 40 to 10 to Seattle. No. Uh, no, I cuz here's the thing. And I'm not just meaning Freddie. I know. Here here's the thing. And for as critical of Freddie as I have been, I'm I'm not advocating for any changes. Like you're all in with this guy. You you, you have the you have to see it through. For better or see worse. See it through what? For this year? You got it. No, I think you got to <laughs> I I, th- I think I think you got I think you and What? I think you got to see this thing through. If we're talking, if we're having the same conversation in week seventeen, I mean, listen, if, that if, we are now, if if they if they go six and ten, if they go six and ten, I I, I think that you might have to consider something. And I don't. But, think but my point is, is if they're if they're anywhere between seven, if they win seven, eight, nine games, but don't make the playoffs, I think you have to. I think you have to see it through. I think talent alone is going to get them to eight wins. And I don't think talent and, alone. And I don't think eight wins get you in the see. I, well, no, eight wins does not get you in the playoffs. And I'm it's not so I know that. it's so unfair. No, playoffs are the bar. The, no, the, stop. The, the, the problem. The bar. We're not backtracking. I that. know. I'm just saying. 
again, I'm all about transparency. I realized how unfair it is to say playoffs are bust for a franchise that hasn't done squat in 20 years, okay? I, I get it. I understand the difficulty between going from seven to double-digit wins in the NFL. I get it. Don't I, need I, to be I, double digits. I understand. Nine's going to get it but, done in the North. But I, I just, it depends how many, who you beat. I um, already have the edge on Baltimore. But if you split with Baltimore... I, in any, in, in any who event, knows if they could beat anybody right now? Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> in any event, I realize that my expectations are what they are, and that's playoffs or bust. If they don't make the playoffs, to me, it's a disastrous season because that's what the standard is now. You have, like, the Browns for years had talent deficiency. They had coaching deficiency. They had organizational deficiency. But mo- the most glaring problem was the fact that they had no talent. Mm-hmm. They have the talent. That's that's what bothers me so much about these losses. And not it's it's not that they're losing. You said it earlier, James. It's not that they lost Monday night. It's the fact that they lost 31 to 3. It's the fact that Baker Mayfield set effort at the end of week one and threw three fourth quarter interceptions. Yeah. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It yeah. looked it looked like they said F it. They looked the second, awful. Right. Outside of week four, awful. Right. It looked like they said F it in the second half of that game in San Francisco. That that's the issue that I have. And that's why I'm so critical. It's not that I'm hating on the Browns. I'm not hating on Freddie. I'm not hating on Baker. I'm not hating on OBJ or Jarvis or Nick Chubb or anyone else. My standard, though, my expectation, we didn't even talk about Nick Bosa. Like, Nick Bosa is what we're waiting to see from Miles Garrett. And I'm, I'm criticizing a player that has 27 and a half sacks through, like, his first 35 games. Has seven sacks on the season. But Miles Garrett hasn't ta- has never taken over a game to the level that we saw Nick Bosa take over that game Monday night. So, you know... Like I think it's okay to criticize and be critical when they're not meeting the standard of the talent that they have. And so far, under Freddie Kitchens, this team is not meeting the standard. And that goes beyond just the final score on the scoreboard. Is, that, that's, that's my whole point with this situation right now. Is, I believe in the talent. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly believe in the talent. I believe that this is a playoff caliber football team. Freddie Kitchen's job as the coach is to extract that talent and get the most out of it. And he's not doing that. Two questions. Very quickly, because we gotta go. First one, is Hugh Jackson laughing right now? Oh, yeah. Or is he sad? He's victory laughing. That, that his former players are struggling. I, I guarantee you he talked to Mike Silver within the last seventy two hours. He's a victory laughing. Oh, of course you think he is. So. Okay. Two, what's this team's record this year? If Hugh Jackson's the head coach through five weeks, impossible question that I want you to answer. Oof, they're still two and three. Probably, that's what I say. <laughs> Probably, which honestly says the state of Freddie Kitchens right now. Yeah, it, honestly, I, I, I'm just looking at it objectively. It's By just, the way, it's interesting. Um, I know we uh, uh, we were asking for questions. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot for, about for, questions. Well, hang on. The, not crazy about the response we got. Yeah. So let's let's do this. What we're going to try and do on the podcast is we are going to try and do a regular mailbag type segment. And we're going to use the hashtag ask 
CSB. Cleveland Sports Beat. Okay, That's what it so stands for. Hashtag Ask CSB. Whenever you have a question, fi- fire it off at James or myself, Browns, Indians, Cavs. Use the hashtag Ask CSB. We'll, we'll hit that hashtag uh, the next time we do a podcast. We'll see what questions are there. Like I said, didn't exact, wasn't exactly crazy about s- some of the stuff we got. So we'll hold off on it, but that is something that we do want to start doing on this podcast because we do this podcast for you. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you subscribing. Leave us a five-star review. Even if you want to tell us we suck, that's fine too, but those five-star reviews help spread the word about this podcast. But uh, we want to kind of get into that uh, with you guys, answer your questions uh, from our perspectives. We're the ones that are in the locker room. We're the ones that uh, are at all the games and uh, and, and – Talk to the people that, you know, make the decisions about your favorite team. So, again, hashtag AskCSB, and we will uh, start answering those questions on our next podcast. Yeah, we will fire it up uh, this Sunday. Heck, do it during the game. If you have a quick thought, quick observation, quick question, do that with the hashtag. And then uh, next time we record, Daryl and I are going to be together this Sunday. Next time we record, we'll be sure to answer them. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm James Erpine. Like Daryl said, subscribe. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts, including the Radio.com app. Five-star reviews, always appreciated. Until next time, thank you so much for listening to the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.